Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Well, hi, everyone. I'm glad you joined me today. I have a guest with me, and this is Lynn Finley. She has worked with grieving families for over 30 years. After losing her daughter in 1989, she started a resource and referral service for grieving families. And soon after that, she began providing personalized aftercare solutions for hundreds of funeral homes across the nation. And Lynn is now an aftercare specialist who has created, facilitated, and coordinated hundreds of workshops, services, and support groups. And as a Christian lay counselor, Lynn's highest honor is to enter people's lives and help make a difference. So hi, Lynn. Hey, hi, Laura. It's good to see you. (laughs) It's nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. Can you believe it's already been a month since we've seen each other? I know. I can't believe how time flies, but I guess that's okay. (laughs) And we are actually recording this on the 5th. And so it was actually one month ago today that we got on the cruise and had our first night on board. That was a month ago, exactly today when we're recording this. Right. You're you're right. I didn't think of that. That's right. Yeah. Good timing. So let's go ahead and start out. I always like to give my guests a chance and opportunity to share their story. So Lynn, would you please share Aubrey with us? Of course. I lost Aubrey back in 1989. Um, She was born and had a lot of different problems and none of them were compatible with life. And so they had originally told us that they can probably fix just about anything that's wrong with her. And it was furthest from the truth. So anyhow, she, she died and she was our first child. And again, her name was Aubrey. And I was kind of like anyone would be in a state of shock and, Hmm. and disbelief. And it was just a really hard road for a while until I finally received the, the support, sought out the support that I really needed. And so um, through that, I think that's what actually put me into what I call this bereavement world, working with mm-hmm. families who are grieving. So, you know, I think I've often said that, you know, my, my, uh, my life work is my daughter's legacy. And so every day that I talk to families, it's just all because of her for, you know, a tiny baby, just living two hours and 47 minutes, I think it was, she's had such an impact on so many lives. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm blessed in that way. So it is crazy when you think about how this little one who lived two hours has changed so many lives and helped so many hundreds, thousands of people in their grief. Yeah. So yeah, it is important to find a way for our children to leave a legacy, no matter how, how long or how short they were here. I wanted to ask you, and you already mentioned, how long did it take you before? Did you seek out support or did someone come find you? How did that first start for you? Well, how that first started, actually, my husband had gotten a brochure from the hospital talking about um, a share support group, which was for parents that lost a child to um, a pregnancy loss or an infant or a baby to SIDS. And so Aubrey died in September of that year. So I think it was October. She was just gone a month. And it was, the meeting was said to have been like, let's say the first Tuesday of the month. So we showed up to my, my objection. I kept saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to any kind of support group. I mean, I just, there was no way I was going to talk to strangers. And 
and, you know, share my business. And so right. anyhow, we didn't, he persuaded me, we showed up, well, it was the wrong night. And so, oh. <laughs> so he ended up, yeah, it was the wrong night that we showed up and I'm like, okay, then we're not meant to that's be it. here. You know, and I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's it. We don't need to do this again. Well, anyhow, he ended up calling the facilitator and, you know, she told him it was the wrong night. And then we did go back for the, for the next meeting. And, you know, initially I think I, I don't know if I actually, and I was such a state of shock those first few months. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure how helpful it was, but it did become a lifeline of healing for me um, because obviously I'm, I would go every month and I would meet with other parents who've lost a child and, you know, started to realize that a lot of the things that I was experiencing that there was nothing wrong with me. Mm. Um, just one thing in particular, I remember, you know, it was wintertime and it was snowing and I would go up to the cemetery and I would just be heartbroken that my daughter was buried in the snow. And I right. thought there's something with me that that really bothers me like I just keep thinking it this is horrible like I know she is in heaven Mm -hmm. I know that you know but it just was so horrible but going to this group and hearing other parents during that winter say the same exact thing it was like I made that connection and so probably about I think maybe about a year and a half after that I got to be you know close friends with the lady who facilitated that group and she wanted some help with it and so I started helping her with the monthly meeting let's see, Aubrey would have been, I think two, by the time Aubrey would have been two, I was pregnant with Julia, my second daughter. And I was running the meetings pretty much myself. And when I got later on in my pregnancy, I didn't think it was appropriate to show up like six months pregnant. And so I I took a little hiatus and um, Julia was born in May of 91. And that first meeting in June, I was at and stayed Mm. doing that group for few, few years, if not many years. And so I just, I just found that if, you know, I can provide information to grieving families that can somehow help them, that that would just make some small difference. And so that was my motivation. And I, from there, started my own business, which is called Morning Discoveries, which I still to this day run. Um, It's over 30 years now. Um, And I just made it my mission to bring together resources that can help families. Obviously, I was running the share group, which was specific for pregnancy and infant loss. But then I started doing a lot of work with hospice. Um, they eventually sponsored the program for us, the group. So they allowed us to move to their facility nice. and have our monthly meetings there. And they promoted them and all that. So I got very involved in hospice. And so like I said, I just started um, putting together resources that I thought would be helpful, running the support groups, because I think we all need to tell our story. We need to tell the story that just keeps going because um, mm-hmm. different things happen as the months churn on. And so I just, I just really found it to be helpful for myself. And then if I can provide that help to somebody else, I guess that's what my mission was, was to help hopefully do that. Yeah. And and you're still doing that. I mean, it's incredible to me. I mean, this is your life is walking yeah. with other bereaved people who have had deep losses and you send out like a, a series, don't you, of, I don't know if they're pamphlets or when someone's faced a loss, don't you yeah. like throughout the year, yes, you will send I, out things? Yes. So, so what I do, I, I fill the role of an aftercare coordinator for funeral homes and I work for many different funeral homes us, throughout the country. And in 2008, I wrote a series of books and each of the books are written to be received at specific times during that first year after the loss. And each of them tries to address issues that are common at that time. So I wrote the series of books and I, I started using them for my funeral directors. And to this day, I send those out. We just, I just refurbished them, redid the covers a couple of years ago, just to freshen them up a little bit. But um, so I've sent out tens of thousands of those books through all the funeral homes um, and all of those families at least got that, those resources, which hopefully helped them. And I can't tell you how many times I get phone calls when people say to me, you know, three, four, five months down the road, you know, that, that book spoke to me. 
and it helped me to, to, to really get through some hard time. And it came at the exact time that mm -hmm. I really needed it. Yeah. And like That's you said, you work with hundreds of funeral homes, so it's possible maybe some of our listeners are even have gotten some of them or are in the process of getting them in that first year. That would, yep. that would be wonderful. So Lynn, why do you yeah. think it is important? You know, we were talking about finding support and, you know, then you took over a group and started running it. And obviously you have a real heart for connecting, you know, bereaved people with like hearts and like losses and things. Why do you think that's so important to be connected with those who have share a similar loss? I believe that it's so important because I think that those are the only people that you really, you understand each other. I mean, if you're sitting with somebody who's experienced the loss of a child and you tell them something and they say, well, yeah, I understand, you know, the deepest, deepest depth of your heart mm -hmm. that they do understand. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very different than just talking to anybody else. Whereas they just kind of look at you, as you know, you know, support mm -hmm. starts to wane after a short amount of time. So I think the most important thing for people is that they knew they do need to make those connections and be able to have, even if it's one person that they have to talk to, to talk through the things yes. that they're experiencing, that somebody can actually say, yes, I get it. Mm -hmm. And you know that they really get it. There's healing in that, you yes. know, there really is. And, and you're not left feeling like I'm alone and nobody will ever understand how I feel. Mm -hmm. So when you're with other bereaved parents, it's just, it's just that automatic, that, that bond that you make and, and anything that they say, and you say to them, is such an exchange of, of understanding. Because yeah. I think that that's what's important is the understanding. You know, I, I've told the story about when, when my daughter died, I felt that people around me just were just mean, like they didn't talk about her. They didn't mention her name. And I, I just, for a long time, felt really bad about that. And it took some years, but I finally realized that people didn't say anything to me because they didn't care. They didn't say anything to me because they didn't understand. And yeah. so it's that understanding that's so important. We need to be understood. And, and I think in these types of groups, if that's, you know, an opportunity to be amongst other parents, I think that's the most quality support that we can have for ourselves is to be with others who've experienced a similar loss. Yeah, I love what you said. It's not that people don't care. It's that they don't understand. And I think that's important for us to realize to get to the point where there might be some people who don't care. But I think as a whole, it's that they don't understand. If you haven't been there, you just, and, and it's impossible. I sure didn't get it. I didn't understand it until I lost Becca. So I know, I yeah. know. And you can't, and you know, like we always say, it's like, we don't welcome you to our club because this is not a club that we want to be a part mm -hmm. of, but, but we can provide, if you are part of this club, we can support each other and, and provide that level of, of support and understanding. And it really is important because I mean, if mm -hmm. you're sitting by yourself and you feel so alone and that nobody understands or that you think people are being rude or, or don't care about you just gives it a whole different perspective to say, well, you know what, they just, they really don't get it. And to mm -hmm. really know that, you know, I think that yeah. that, can be comforting to just know that it's not because somebody's ignoring you and your pain. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think connecting with others, it, it's, you gave a perfect example of that. I know for me, it was like, I, my brain, I felt like I didn't have a brain. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I was so forgetful and information would just leave. Uh, and it was a terrifying thing. And thinking, you know, as early Alzheimer's setting in, I, I, mm -hmm. I just didn't know what was happening. And you know, your example of thinking of your daughter, I mean, we know in her head, they're not under the ground, but, but we just, it's just a horrible feeling. And then to find out that was normal. I mean, as, as weird as it sounds, yeah. that's normal that we can feel that way. And so I think that's one thing that's so good 
about connecting with other parents is that they can say, nope, you're, <laughs> nope, that's, that's, I, I felt that way too. I went through that yeah. too. I had that struggle too. And I think that can be very helpful. Now, before we get into what I consider the best part of what you do, <laughs> I want to share something about my own grief journey. Now, some of you listeners have heard this before, but for those of you who haven't, when Becca died, it was October 12th of 2011, through just a set of circumstances, I ended up going on a cruise by myself. Dave sent me off on a cruise, bless his heart, and we've cruised, we love it, but I ended up on a I think it was a six night, five night cruise by myself. When we pulled out, I was texting him. I was sitting on the front of the ship and I was crying before we even pulled out. And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to do nothing for all these days. And he, he sends me this ROFL roll on floor laughing because it's like, you're the only person I know of who can be upset about doing absolutely nothing. But it, it ended up being so wonderful. Now I was six weeks after I lost Becca from this earth and it was just, I mean, I had a balcony room and I had my computer with me and so I could play music on my computer and I played worship music and I would crank it up and just stand on my balcony and just cry and look out at the ocean. And, you know, the the scripture about when we talk about God's love is as deep as the ocean. And I would just look out and ponder that because, you know, at the death of your child, you can question some of that, a lot of your faith and who God really is and does he really care and why did this happen and, and those kinds of things. But it was so wonderful. I didn't have to make a bed. I didn't have to make a meal. I didn't have to clean my bathroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could do nothing but grieve Mm -hmm. and it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And so when God began moving us into starting this ministry of GPS hope, one of the first things was that I have got to figure out how to get bereavers, bereaved parents on a cruise because it was so healing for me. And to be in such beautiful tropical places on top of that, it was like a body, soul, and spirit. It just Mm -hmm. brought healing to every part of my being. So Dave and I, we actually, we've you know, like I said, we go on cruises, we, we've checked on cruises, what does it take to get a group on a cruise and that kind of thing. And, and we just, we just didn't see it happening. We just couldn't, we couldn't pull it together to make this happen. And so a few years ago, two, three years ago, uh, we had a mutual friend. And, and I found out through this friend that there was this thing called the grief cruise. And so we ended up connecting And that is what you do. That's my favorite part of what you do (laughs) is you are an actual travel agent and you put started putting together these grief cruises. Now, how did this come about? Okay. That's a really good question. Cause again, the grief cruise is one of my hats that I wear. Um, the travel agent is one of the hats that I wear. And it's a funny thing is, and I say in my before life is before I had children, I was a travel agent. And so my husband, and I always liked to travel and we always said, or I always said, you know, someday when we're a little bit older, maybe it'd be a fun thing to do when we're retired is to look into getting a travel agency and probably taking groups wherever and touring or what have you. And so that's just been a lifelong, you know, my, my adult life thinking someday that I would want to be back in the travel <laughs> industry. And so anyhow, through all the years, there's been different um, circles of people that I floated through where people would talk about, you know, somebody ought to put together a cruise, somebody ought to put together a cruise. And in 2015, my husband and I would just move to South Carolina. 
And I was at a crossroads, you know, with, with morning discoveries and, you know, things that I was doing in, in my bereavement world. And I thought, you know, no better time than now to, you know, look into the travel agency thing. So it's like, this kind of thing, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but anyways, <laughs> there's the travel agency. And I specifically made that decision because I wanted to put together a grief cruise. I mean, that was my, my only motivating factor at that point. I figured, you know, Bob and I aren't ready to retire. We're not going to be taking groups anywhere for, you know, some years yet, but anyhow. <laughs> I put those two things together. I said, you know, I really want to, and so I obtained, I bought the travel agency. I've got that. And then I had some friends again, that I've met through the years, one being Mitch Carmody, real sweet man. And I know, you know, yes. we all love him. Um, and I somehow called him or talked to him somehow. And I said, Hey, Mitch, I said, you know, I'm thinking about putting together a, a grief cruise. And I said, and I'm looking for somebody who can kind of be like the onboard program director, you know, the person who actually puts the, the sessions together. And I, I've been to many of his workshops, mm-hmm. I've been to yes. conferences that he was at. So I saw how he presented, I saw how other people presented. And between the two of us, we knew enough people that could come with us to actually do workshops and sessions for the families. And so we put together the program, an onboard program, and we, the Grief Cruise is the only cruise in the world right now that I know of that offers an onboard program that is specifically for grieving families. We went on that first year, I think we had, I'm going to say we had 20 people on that first cruise, and it was just phenomenal. Um, And we just really, again, it validated for me that if you create an opportunity and a safe space for people to come Mm -hmm. to, where you can kind of put together, you know, some, some sessions where they can receive the support and maybe some coping skills about grief and then also be able to go to dinner that night and also be able to look over the ocean or to go on an excursion or to Mm -hmm. go to a comedy show. So it just seemed like it was a nice opportunity for for families to come together and and be able to, to grieve and experience joy at the same time. And I've said this since that first cruise that I think it really does bring home that ultimately as, as a bereaved parent or as the person who's lost a loved one to death, we somehow need to learn to move on and being able to experience joy, but our grief is never fully ever going to be gone. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like we actively grieve every day or all week or anything like that, but you know, we've lost a child that's never going to leave us all the days that we walk this earth. Right. And so we ultimately have to figure out how are we going to experience joy and grief at the same time. And this cruise seems to bring those two things to, together allows the person to have that type of experience. And that then helps them to go home and to continue that in a comfortable way, mm-hmm. because that's the other thing. And I don't know, you've talked to many grieving families and oftentimes more than not families would say, Oh, I can't, I can't do that. Cause I feel like I'm dishonoring my child's life. Right. You know, I, I can't, I can't go on a cruise or I can't go to Disney world or I can't go away for the weekend. Cause it just doesn't seem right. Well, this grief cruise takes all of that away because they're coming on that grief cruise in honor of their loved one that they lost. And they're also able to enjoy the amenities of the ship. And so it takes all of that out. You talk about being in a space with like people who've had a loss. It's okay. It becomes okay. We, we can all be on a cruise together and laughing and that's okay. But Mm -hmm. put you in a cruise together with 5,000 other people who don't know you, that makes us feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm going on vacation. So, you know, there's that's, that's the whole piece of being amongst others. You know, we literally say we're all in the same boat. And I mean, that's that. <laughs> right. We literally are all in the same boat. And and so I saw that, you know, although we had a very small group that year, I saw now that wow, was 2016. That was, you know, I started the, the planning in 15. The first one was in six, 2016. Okay. And that was a three night cruise. So I figured we'll just, we'll just dabble <laughs> for three nights. <laughs> right, right. Ended up with that cruise is that 
every person that went on that said it needs to be longer. It, three mm-hmm. nights is not enough time because they found that, yeah, well, this is helpful, but we want it to continue. You know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like we were just getting cruise, started, just getting to know each other. Yeah. And so the second cruise we put together was a five night cruise. And so same experience, more, we, we doubled our attendance on that one. I got many more presenters. I never had a problem getting presenters because again, we know a lot of people who've worked with families in this, in this world. And so that was another opportunity that, that people just loved. And so the thing that most, the comment that was made is that it needs to be longer. So it's like, okay, <laughs> three nights, five nights. Well, then we'll do a seven night. And then we decided to change the ship because I really wanted some quality meeting space, which the mm-hmm. first two cruises I didn't really feel. They put us like in these lounges and people were walking through and stuff. Oh, and you can't it didn't do that. Bother through, it no. bothered me. You know what I'm yeah, saying? We're sitting yeah. in the middle, you know, presentation and people are kind of like walking through. So I said, mm-hmm. I need to find, you know, and again, like you say, you know, to put something like this together, it's not just, let's just decide to pick a sailing and a date and let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of planning that goes yeah. in, in, involved in that. And the, one of the big things that I've found, you know, we have to find the, the right ship with the right meeting space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not so much the ports of call because when people are going on this thing, they're not really concerned about the ports of call. And so we found the ship that was great for us and so we did a seven night cruise and that was in 2019. And we had, I think we had close to 90 people on that one. And we had like, I think 17 presenters, which was way too many. I mean, I have a stack of applications for presenters. We will never lack for presenters, right? <laughs> and so anyhow, and it was, we, we kept saying we blew it out of the water. It was just incredible. The ship was incredible. The meeting space was beautiful. State of the art conference center. The, the entertainment was wonderful, the food, the, even the ports of call. And we were like, wow, we're like, are we ever going to top this? And again, just helping so many people and then just getting all the feedback and just watching that interaction amongst them, you know? And, and so, yeah, so we said, well, here, we're going to go. We're going to plan another one for 2020. And as we all know, COVID hit January, mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. Cruise was scheduled. And I think actually you were, I think. Yeah, we we had just signed a contract that we were going to have a a track for breathing parents. And yeah, everything. (laughs) Yeah, everybody got. Didn't happen. (laughs) No, and it didn't. And and it is what it is, right? But, you know, Mm -hmm. that was disappointing. But yeah, I said, okay, we're just going to see what happens with the cruise industry and let's go from there. Mm -hmm. And so I did push out. We originally were going to cruise, I think it was November of. 2021. And then I said, let me just push it out another month. So we changed the date to December. We found the ship that we wanted in the meeting space and we started planning for that. And, you know, we got over 200 registrations for this, this last one, but I think with the uncertainty still, um, our numbers were, we, we hope to double every year. Mm-hmm. And in saying that, I don't really want us to get too big because then I think right. it takes some of the, you know, the one-on-one uh, yeah, support yeah. away. You know, we don't want to be like a whole ship charter. Could you, could you imagine? <laughs> you know, like, I, I no. can't even imagine. Like, no, no. So you know, our numbers were less than what we thought, but I still think we had great meeting space. We had great presenters, you as being one of them. I mean, everybody loved you. And, and you know, we had some challenges this time around with, you know, some logistics, but we, we muddled through all of them. And I hmm. think it was a, a great success. And, you know, we had less people than we would have liked, but those who were meant to be there were there. Yeah. You know, when I try to explain to you, you know, what is this cruise? I need to ask you a question. <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> but I always say I can't adequately describe what it is. Would you agree with that? I mean, by you having the experience of being on that cruise and all yeah. that I had talked about beforehand, mm-hmm. was it more than what you thought it was? Was it, what was your, your thoughts about? What I, you thought, I what loved you it. 
Yeah, I loved it. And I, I guess I, in a way, I didn't go with a whole lot of expectations because as this would be the first time we actually went as a presenter, as opposed to just nothing but vacation. But I thought it was a real good balance of seminars and workshops that you could go to. But I, I, I loved it. I loved, you know, even just walking around the ship and just seeing different people from the group. I, I mean, it was just, you know, just walking down Central Park <laughs> in the ship and, <laughs> and seeing yeah. someone sitting there enjoying a meal or whatever. It was just really enjoyable. There was the, the walk to remember, the burial at sea. Mm-hmm. And that was just for those families. And there, a few of us were able to join in as, as yes. part of the leadership team. But that mm-hmm. was very precious. That was very precious. Oh, Laura, um, I've said I've done so many things in the, you know, with workshops and conventions and whatever you want. That burial at sea is the most special thing that I've ever been involved in. And, you know, I wish that more families would take advantage of it, although I don't know if they would give us they, a set number of how many families we can take. <laughs> right, but, right. But yeah, every cruise, we've had at least a couple of families that want to participate with it. And they're just able to just bring along some of their loved ones' cremains. And as long as we go by the, the rules of what they need to use and, mm-hmm. you know, death certificates and cremation certificates, we follow that. And they allow us to, um, the captain actually escorts us to the part of the ship where yeah. we can disperse the cremains off to the side and or the back or wherever we were this time. And it's just a real special, um, real special thing that we do. And then they actually, I don't know if you knew this, they gave the certificates to each of the families okay. um, with the loved one's oh, name on it. And then it actually, probably. With the coordinates, exactly. Yeah. And then this year they actually laminated them, which they were oh, wow. beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, that's mm. so nice. But again, it's just a, such a healing in the, in the two families that participated in that I cannot say enough about being able to do that. And so that is really, and I'm glad you and Dave were able to join in on that as yeah, well. Was, that was that. very precious. Really was. Yeah. I love the, we had times where there were circles of hope where it was Mm -hmm. just times where the different groups could get together and just be kind of facilitated in a, in a discussion and talk about certain things about our loved ones. You know, we had groups for the bereaved parents and for spouses because this cruise is for any loss. You're right. Yes. And so it's not just bereaved parents. So it's, you know, any, any deep loss that you faced is, is welcome to come. So yeah, it was something that we'll definitely do again. <laughs> yes, yes, yay. So yes, it, it really was. I think this it was really good. And I really appreciate all your input and all that you contributed to the cruise. And that's what makes it as all of us. It's it's a whole team mm-hmm. effort. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not just me, you know, booking a, a cruise and you know, yeah. booking cabins kind of thing, which I mm-hmm. that's the part I do as well. But it's it's more important that we have us together as a team putting this yeah. together and with all in mind of trying to provide what is going to help our guests, you know, mm-hmm. what, what can we talk about? What type of tools can we send them home with and new coping skills, whatever it is, so that they feel like they've, they've learned a little, they can take what they've learned and somehow incorporate that into their lives. And again, move them along in their, their grief journey and however their path goes, but at least they have some yeah. more, you know, we used to say it's a toolbox, you know, they go home with a toolbox <laughs> uh-huh. We hope that that's what they do. And yeah, we've always gotten good responses about it. And yeah. Stuff. And, so, and so, people yeah. connect beyond the cruise too. Yes. You know, they, they make a connection and start a friendship and, and uh, it goes beyond the cruise too. And we have people have gone, there's several that have gone on all of them. Yeah. Or there's, there's others that have gone on maybe the first one and then came on the third one or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I've been told people do, I know myself, I have lifelong friends from all of the sailings that we've gone on so far. So, yeah. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot, 
a lot of benefit to actually participating in something like that. And then there also is a lot to be said about being on the ocean, like you described. Oh, yes. So, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. How can our listeners connect with you now? If they want, if they want to check out the cruise, the next one is set for January of 2023. So we're talking a year from now. A year so from people now. have plenty of time to get in a registration. Yeah. You want to get yeah. any details on that? Yeah, I could. So, um, so the next cruise is January 30th to February 4th, and we'll be sailing out of Port Canaveral, Florida. And this one is a five night cruise on the Mariner of the Sea, which is a beautiful refurbished ship. And then they do have the, the meeting space similar to what we're used to. And that's a Royal Caribbean um, ship. It's a Royal Caribbean and they're going to um, Coco Cay, which is Royal Caribbean's private island. And then they're going to Casamel, Mexico. And so there's two days that we'll be sailing out to sea, which will be the days that we have our workshops. Um, and, and yeah, so that one, again, um, I like to tell people, if you want to go on that cruise, the better thing to do is to just at least call and get some information. So if you want more information, we have a web page and then there's a link you can go to to register and that information will go to Lynn and she'll call you and talk to you, answer all your questions that you have, but go to gpshope.org slash cruise. And that's it. You know, I always tell people you're not obligated to book anything, but I think it's important that you get the information that you need. And it's a lot of information and I don't mind talking to people and just giving them all that and letting them decide. Mm-hmm. something that they can do so but I, like I say this is this is a smaller ship and I have a feeling because it's it's a five night sailing it's going to probably our, our room block will book up quicker than it normally would because it's a it's a five night and it's a little bit more affordable than the mm-hmm. seven night so yeah um so yeah so that's great yeah yep. yeah and hopefully a year so from now all this COVID stuff will all be behind us we have yeah. to continue to hope is what I say you know it's yeah. like I hope by the time you know next January rolls around we're in a place where it's in the rearview mirror now and we can yeah. just go for it and people will feel comfortable traveling and going on cruises and, and all of that. But in the meanwhile, we'll just keep plugging away and putting our program together and do what we need to do mm-hmm. to make it the best experience as possible. Yeah. And I just want to encourage if you're even thinking about it, oh, that sounds so nice. Don't feel, but I could never go on a cruise. Don't tell yourself that. Check it yeah. out. Just check it out. Mm-hmm. You never know what God wants to do. So, you know, don't, don't write it off. Just go ahead and check it out and go to the website and, and uh, fill out that form and talk to Lynn. So Lynn, how can people get a hold of you personally if they want to check out like the morning discoveries? And then you also have the Grief Institute, right? Yes, I'm a a managing partner of the International Grief Institute. I actually still have my morning discoveries. And so I have websites for both of those. I don't know if you want to attach that information, but it's um, www.internationalgriefinstitute.com. I know that's a long one. And (laughs) And I'll put a link to the show notes. And then it's morningdiscoveries.com and morning discoveries is more like I call my website for morning discoveries, more of a brochure online because it just talks about what I do through funeral homes, but I will talk to anybody who ever calls me and needs support. And my phone numbers, you're welcome to share my phone number. Um, I tell people I do a lot of phone work. If you call me, please leave me a message. And I will always, always call you mm-hmm. back because I think that's important again, to have that, that support. You know, I, I just want to add this with the cruise, you know, our guest experience with me with that first phone call is the beginning of their experience with the grief cruise. And mm-hmm. so I'm not just the travel agent that's just going to book a cabin for them and just, you know, right. see them on, you know, January 30th. It's like, I really do hold people's hands. I do try yes. and help them, give them that extra level of support because I know that they're just in a place where they don't have the bandwidth that they normally mm-hmm. would have had. And so they need yeah. that little extra care, you know? And so I do try and provide that for them. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so they can, um, 
get a hold of us through you for the cruise and then out like I said, International Brief Institute and Morning Discoveries. If you go on the cruise, you'll get to meet and spend time with Linda. Remember I said at the beginning, Linda's highest honor is to enter people's lives and help make a difference. And you could probably tell that by just our conversation here. And I know she would love the opportunity to make a difference in your life and your family's life. Thank you so much, Lynn, for joining oh, me today. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. I really do hope you check out the next cruise set for January of 2023. You will get to meet and spend time with Lynn. Remember, Lynn's highest honor is to enter people's lives and help make a difference. And I know she would love the opportunity to make a difference in your life and your family's life. Dave and I would also love the opportunity to spend a chunk of time with you in a wonderful setting and to minister to you directly face-to-face and get to know you. Go to gpshope.org cruise for all the information and to get on the registration list so that Lynn knows that you're interested in joining us. If the cruise next January seems too far away, or maybe it just isn't for you, we have three weekend getaway retreats scheduled. I've already been sharing about two of them. One is in the Georgia, South Carolina area this March. The other one is in the Hocking Hills area in Ohio this April. That one is specifically for moms. The one in Georgia is for anyone who's lost a child, whether you're coming as a couple or coming with no one else accompanying you. The third one that I'm announcing today is in Iowa. It's in a beautiful cabin. We've had one there before. It's easy for anyone, obviously in Iowa, northern Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota to get to. And that one is going to be in August. You can find out more about all three of these retreats at gpshope.org retreat. Several of the rooms have already been taken for March and April, and I think the Iowa one is going to go fairly quickly. So if you are even slightly interested, make sure you check it out right away. There will also be links to the cruise and the retreats in the show notes. As always, I have a couple more thoughts to share with you at the very end, but for now, let's go ahead and do the birthday segment. Josh Caldwell was born on January 16th, and is forever 28. Tate Kwiatkowski was born on January 16th and is forever 69 days. Hugh Brown was born on January 19th and is forever 18. Jeanette Marie was born on January 19th and is forever 36. Aaron Jizby was born on January 19th, and she is forever three. We join with these families as they celebrate the important and wonderful day their children came into this world. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday shared with our listeners, just go to gpshope.org birthdays and fill in the needed information, including the pronunciation. If it's known to be a name that's pronounced wrong and you want to make sure I say it correctly, be sure to fill that out because I do want to say it correctly. Just submit that form and I would be honored to share your son or daughter's birthday with our listeners. As we close out this episode, I want to go back to something Lynn said. 
after our child dies, we can feel so guilty to live our lives in a way that makes us feel happy. We either equate enjoying life as severing ourselves from our child. It's like, if I still hurt deeply, if I don't keep hurting, it means I don't miss my child and I'm a terrible parent. What kind of a parent doesn't miss their child after they die? What kind of a parent isn't a mess forever <laughs> kind of a thing? And we think that it's our pain that keeps us connected to our child. And I'm telling you, it's not our pain, but it's our love that will always keep us connected to them. Or we may think, if my child's no longer here to do fun things, then I shouldn't be doing fun things. But I can assure you, we are the ones missing out, not our child. I'm pretty sure our child is not looking down from heaven, saying, I wish I was back down there in that mess to be able to do things I didn't get to do when I was alive instead of being up here <laughs> with all of this glory and all of this perfection and all of this wonder and beauty that can't even be described. I don't think our child feels like they are the ones missing out. And so we don't have to feel that way. I know we do, but if we can change the way we see that, maybe it will help us get past that. Doing something like going on a cruise, taking a vacation, or even doing something like having an evening out for dinner in a movie or doing something fun like bowling does not mean you don't miss your child. It doesn't mean you're a terrible parent. It doesn't mean you don't love your child. What it means is that you're learning how to live in a way that honors the life of your child instead of being stuck in their death. Your child's death was a moment in time. Yes, it was the most painful moment ever, but your child also lived. Even if your child never took a breath outside of your womb, he or she had life, and the life was a whole lot longer than that moment of death that happened. Lynn lives in a way that honors Aubrey's life. I live in a way that honors Becca's life. One of the birthdays I announced was Jeanette. Her mom is now a precious friend of mine in this grief world, and I can tell you that Sarah was one who thought her pain kept her connected to her daughter, but she finally had the realization that wasn't it. It was her love. And Sarah now lives in a way that honors Jeanette's life. You can do that too. It takes a while. You have to fight your way through the darkness. And quite often, fighting your way through the darkness is just sitting with God in the grief and the pain. There's no way around it. You have to go through it. And I'm so sorry. I wish I could take this on for you. I wish I could wave a magic wand and make it all go away. But we have to go through it. And each of us has our own journey and our own timeline through that darkness. But there is light on the other side. There's joy. There's laughter and happiness again on the other side of this darkness. It will look different but you can live a life, a fulfilled life again, not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life. Next week's episode is going to be specifically on this topic of feeling guilty for being happy again after the death of our child. I hope you join me, and until then, please hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.